This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 117, Understanding Your Stress. Are you part of the 50% of the population who report their stress increasing dramatically in the last few years? Has the world pandemic and its new demands taking a toll on your life and your well-being? Are you ever asking yourself the question like, what is stress really? Is what I'm feeling stress? Is that what it is? If you're answering yes to any of these questions, today's episode is for you. So for today's episode, I do not have a guest. I'm taking the spotlight again. This year, I want to do more of these solo episodes since last year's ones were so popular. So last year, I released episode 73 called Yoga, Chronic Pain and Mental Health. Episode 77, Setting Goals and Moving Forward. Episode 87, Five Reasons Why You Procrastinate. And episode 93, a three-step guide to being more yourself. And that one was the most popular. So make sure to check it out. I'll put the links in the show notes. Since stress is such a big topic and it affects so many people, I'm planning on doing a series. It's also a very big part of my teachings already. It's something I've been focusing on for a very long time. And I have a lot to say on the subject. It's also at the core of my coaching as well, which by the way, I have two spots open right now. So if you'd like to look into all this one-on-one, you'll find a link in the show notes to set up a free call so we can connect on the subject. I would also really love to read your takeaways on today's episode as you listen. So take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways on Instagram, tagging at on and off your mat podcast. I will, of course, reshare you, but everybody will be able to read your takeaways so we can go deeper into the content of this episode. We can learn and grow together as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys. So why are we talking about stress? You might think it's pretty obvious, like I know what stress is, but hear me out. The more you know in detail what it is, how it shows up in your body and in your mind, the more you are empowered to make choices that will serve you better. For a very long time, medical practitioner would ask me if I was stressed and I would answer like, no, not really. You know, my schedule is a little lighter this week or oh, I just came back from vacation or, you know, I practice yoga and meditation. But the truth is, I was definitely showing signs of stress in my mind and in my body. I just lacked the awareness of what really stress is, what it actually looks like in my body, and how it actually shows up in my mind. So I relied instead only on the external circumstances that would have justified whether I deserved (laughs) to be stressed or not. There's three problems with that. Number one, stress is not just external. It's also an internal process. So if you're only relying on the circumstances, you're forgetting half or more of what is actually creating your stress. Number two, the lack of awareness in itself is a problem because you can't change something you don't know. You can't affect something you're unaware of. You can't have control over your own or with your own physiology in that way if you don't know what's going on. Number three, that limited understanding of stress leaves you absolutely no control over your well-being. You always 
end up being a victim of your circumstances because you feel like it's only coming from things that are happening to you. As I learned about stress over the years, I became more able to recognize it, to address it, and to take responsibility for my choices, the choices that made me more stressed, the thoughts that I had that made me more stressed, and the emotion that I repeatedly indulged in that made me more stressed. And since stress is a chronic issue that touches everyone, I mean, the last stats I've seen is that 33% of people say they live in extreme stress, where 73% say that they regularly experience psychological symptoms that are caused by stress. And what I said in the intro, 50% of people have seen their stress increase dramatically in the last few years. So why are we talking about this? Because it's an epidemic on its own. It's touching everyone and the lack of knowledge around it stops us from addressing it and resolving it in our lives. So let's look at what stress is. What's the definition? And you can take a moment to ask yourself, like, how do I define stress? If someone would ask me, you know, that speaks another language to explain what stress is, what is it for you? The definition I use that I go by is two-part. Number one, stress is your perception of pressure or of a lack of safety you experience. And number two, it's then your body's response to that perception. So if you put it together, stress is your physical, mental, emotional response to what you perceive as challenging or dangerous. The really important word I want to bring your attention to is perception. The thing we need to understand is that our perception of the situation has more weight than the facts of that situation. Two different people living through the exact same situation will experience two different stress responses. Your perception, that means the words you use to describe what's going on, the meaning you give to what's going on, so what that means about life, about you, about the people around you, and the beliefs it reinforces about yourself and the world, all those things are the source, the fuel of the emotion and the nervous system response that will follow. So let's say, Two colleagues are coming out of a quote-unquote stressful meeting. One might think to himself, what they're asking us makes no sense. They are only focused on the money and they're treating us like numbers. It will be impossible to hit those targets. I'm completely overwhelmed just thinking about it. Versus the other one might think something like, Wow, their expectations are high this quarter. It's going to be an interesting challenge. I'll definitely need some support to improve on the skill, but it will be a great opportunity to showcase my knowledge. Can you guess? I'm sure you can. Can you guess which one is going to be more stressed throughout the quarter or at the end of the quarter? Even if both came out of the same meeting, 
They both experience the same situation. They're both working in the same environment. They both have the same external circumstance or stressor, but their thoughts about it is different. And just reading it, just hearing it for yourself, you might feel the energetic load of one versus the other. Now, when we talk about the word perception, if we go back to the definition, stress is our perception. We talked about that. Now we're talking about pressure or perception of pressure or lack of safety you experience and your body's response to that perception. So let's go a little further into the definition. So when it comes to pressure, what I mean is any demanding adverse circumstance that you qualify as such. What you qualify as adverse, what you qualify as demanding will be different than your neighbor. And that's what we just talked about. What you qualify as mean, it means that it all comes down to your thoughts on the situation. And some of those thoughts around things that are demanding could be like, wow, this is too difficult. I'm not smart enough. I'm going to fail again. I can't figure this out. I can never figure things out. I'm an imposter. I should have never gotten this job. They shouldn't really trust me with this. Oh, I can't present this until it's absolutely perfect or else. Uh, things like, I'm way too busy, I don't have time, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be late again. Or things like, I hate it when I have to. So maybe like, I hate it when I have to cook every single meal. Or I hate it when it's only me that has to do school pickup for kids. I hate it when I feel like I have to do something. Could be very similar as well. Like if you feel like there's an expectation on you, maybe around sex with your partner or chores or things at work or right visit with your parents. So any thoughts that takes away your power, any thoughts that takes away your agency, your choice is going to be a stressful thought as well. And it's focusing on the mending aspect of your life, of the things you should do, that you have to do, that you don't necessarily want to do. So those are all examples of thoughts that you use to qualify the demand, to qualify the pressure you experience. And I encourage you, I invite you to start looking at those thoughts. You can make a list on one hand, right? Let's say on the left-hand side of the page, make a list of situations right now in your day-to-day -day that feel challenges, that feel challenging or particularly demanding. And in the next column on the right-hand side, make a list of the thoughts you regularly have about that situation. So for example, if we take the example of before of kids drop off at school, maybe that's demanding on your schedule. It's every day, it's morning and evening. So you put it in the first column. In the second column, what are your thoughts every day that you have when you get in the car to go drop off the kids? Are they, why do I have to do this again? Why can't he or she do it? Oh, I can't believe kids are always taking their sweet time. I'm so busy. I don't have all day. Oh, this shouldn't be this hard. Like, why is this so hard? Oh, is she going to cry again? I hate it when she cries. It makes me feel so guilty. Oh, I'm late and there's like a million cars here in line, right? I just could just keep going, but you get it. What I invite you to do is to become aware of your thoughts on one demanding part of your day at a time. 
And so over time, you can go to the next and the next and become more and more clear with the pattern of thoughts that you repeat that add to your stress on top of a situation that is already demanding in the facts, but you're making it worse. Talking about pressure, we say that anything that is demanding or adverse creates pressure. But adverse is something slightly different than demanding. So when it comes to adversity, you might have thought that this year, COVID, was an adverse circumstances circumstance. Depending on what you experience in your life, you might not qualify this year as adverse if it didn't really affect you in a you know very difficult way. But there's categories of situation that are usually seen as adverse, things like heart problems, money problems, job loss, divorce or a big breakup, death of a loved one, um, any kind of grief in that sense, mental illness of other people, of yourself, uh, substance abuse and the people around you or in yourself child care, not only like taking care of your own child, but everything that comes around, you know, creating that for yourself, especially if you're divorced or separated from the other parent, things like weight problems also can be seen as really adverse. And the list can go on and on, but anything that your brain classifies as a problem will be seen as adverse and will create a stressful thought and in turn a stressful physical, emotional response. Physical as well. Now, hear me out, just a little caveat. I'm not saying that the challenges you face are not real or that the power of positivity can release you from any and all stress. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a deep dive in your thought pattern around your circumstances can greatly change the way you feel about those circumstances and the way your body responds to them. If you want to, that is. If you feel like it's not serving, then let's go. The one takeaway here is that seeing problems as opportunities, as gift for growth, transformation, seeing things as happening for you instead of to you, has the potential to create a huge shift in your empowerment, in your growth, and in your wellness. And I know, I know, I know, this statement might be super annoying for you to hear. But if you want to lower your stress, you have to stop blaming external circumstances and you have to start making yourself more empowered. You have to start to take responsibility for your thoughts. It is not your schedule's fault. It is not your job's requirement fault. It is not your family's dynamics fault. It is how you think about it, how you talk about it to yourself. It's a story you tell about them. You can, of course, reduce your workload, but you might still feel stress. You can change job. You can leave a partner and you might still experience just as much stress. 
these things might help. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they will make the bulk of the change in your experience. If you can combine a job change for something more aligned with your values, more fulfilling, go for it. And, and take the opportunity to look into your beliefs around work, around your personal value, your worth as an employee or as a CEO or whatever you do. Okay, take a moment. This might have been a bit of a rant for you. <laughs> Now, deep breath. We talked about our perception of pressure. Now we're going to dive into our feeling of lack of safety. And I know this is a touchy subject. Our perception of the lack of safety we experience naturally triggers our nervous system to respond to stress, to do everything it can to keep you safe. And that is awesome. You want that. The day that you are in danger and you need to run away or fight an assailant, you want your nervous system to raise your adrenaline levels, to increase your heart rate, your blood pressure, to tense your muscle, to do all the things it does. That beautiful mechanism, though, is meant for a short burst of survival energy. It's meant to give you all you need to fight for your life, or to flee as fast as humanly possible, it's not meant to sustain, to continue for a long period of time. Now, if you are in a part of the world where there's conflict, if you are part of an oppressed group, you have felt disempowered, marginalized, silenced, or discriminated against, within the social structures, within the laws, the education, the customs of where you live, you most probably have experienced a chronic feeling of lack of safety. And I'm not saying you're making it up in your thoughts. It's actually happening. And in fact, you might have found yourself in real danger. What I'm saying is that, yes, this is happening to you. And you might, maybe, also amplify your fear, your negative experience of the situation with your thoughts. On the other hand, if you're privileged, white, straight, cisgendered, able-bodied, middle-upper-class, male, so on, it doesn't mean that you've never experienced a lack of safety. And here again... Here, enter thoughts again. No matter what group you're part of, you can have these kinds of thoughts. If you regularly think or say or feel that it's not safe for you to be yourself, for example, around your partner, it's not safe to be fully yourself around your partner. If you feel that you're going to get rejected, let's say, You feel like you're going to be rejected if you share your true opinions at work or in your social circle. If you feel like you're going to be abandoned in a way. So let's say if you catch yourself being afraid of setting and upholding a boundary with your mom and your fear is based in abandonment, that's stressful. 
if you feel like you should blend in, like not get noticed, not raise any issues, right? Kind of just be small, be seen, not talk. Um, and it's something like, you know, you want to make sure that people don't realize there's something lacking or wrong with you or how unlovable you are. Those are not true, but, you know, we, we have these thoughts sometimes. All these kinds of thoughts signal to our body, to our brain, a lack of safety, to our nervous system, and it will be treated as such whether or not we are actually lacking in safety, whether or not we are actually in danger of being rejected, abandoned, quote-unquote, left to die, right? We'll come back to that in a second. Take a second again. Take a breath. I know this could be a difficult part of the conversation to truly look at our responsibility and our feelings of lack of safety. It's easier to only blame, but although some people need to be told that they are doing wrong, that feeling of blaming takes our power away. It's just what I'm wanting to say. So... There are other stressful thinking patterns that you can also experience on top of pressure, something demanding, something adverse, and a lack of safety. Some examples of these um, thinking patterns that we call cognitive distortion, meaning that you believe that something is true despite it having no basis in fact. Um, Here are some examples. All or nothing thinking. Right, So black or white, right or wrong, like being very rigid in that sense. Overgeneralization, if you're thinking all men, blah, 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 all black people, blah, 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 all these people, all those people, like you make groups, you make generalization. These patterns of distorted ideas are creating stress because they're exposing you to more of the same situation when it's not really there for real. Things like mental filters. So an example would be looking at the negative, looking for the negative even, and disqualifying the positive. So it's a really a sense of surviving, right? And being in that survival mode where you have to make sure that you can see everything that might go wrong so you can be prepared for it. Well, of course, that's super stressful. Uh, jumping to conclusions or making assumptions it's a really like rapid automatic response and that usually goes to like the worst case scenario um, or it's trying to confirm a negative or limiting belief you have about yourself or the world or the people around you things like catastrophizing is also really stressful i'm sure i don't really have to go into detail for you to get this Um, identifying with your emotions is also very stressful so an example here saying things like I am angry or I'm an angry person so making the emotion who we are versus something like I am feeling some anger right now I don't know if you can feel like I am an angry person is a little bit more stressful for your system than I am feeling some anger right now Any other labels that you make about who you are, your identity, any limiting beliefs like I am, I am a loser, whatever labels you you tell yourself, you bully yourself with are going to be stressful. And then the last example I would give of those cognitive distortion 
is personalizing. So making things about yourself. So you see someone that's in a bad mood and your first thought is like, oh crap, what did I do? Right? When chances are it has nothing to do with you. So as your body responds to every thought of lack of safety, as if in the fact you were about to be attacked and potentially killed or shunned from the tribe and left to die, and you're having these thoughts in repetition, whether they are the cognitive distortion of all the other thoughts we talked about, that beautiful mechanism of your nervous system, survival mode, becomes overwhelming for your body and over time it starts to bear undesired consequences and that's why we want to look at them and you know not wait that we're totally sick and feeling like we're broken down to start to ask questions so we talked about many possible perception patterns that can create stress right the second part of the definition was and your body responds to that perception. An important way to be able to determine if you are stressed is to be clear on your symptoms, physical, mental, emotional, of stress. Particularly in your body, because it looks slightly different from person to person. Your sympathetic nervous system has fibers innervating in almost every organs. So it can affect a lot of things, a lot of processes. But what happens first before it's doing something in your organ is that your amygdala sends a distress signal. Your hypothalamus takes that signal and activate, activates your sympathetic nervous system by sending other you know, nerve signal through the automatic nerves to the adrenal gland. Your adrenal gland is also responsible for your hormonal response to stress. So it's going to raise your adrenaline, norepinephrine, and your cortisol level. Your adrenaline, if we start with that one, is a hormone that prepares your sympathetic nervous system to either fight or flight. And does that after your body has perceived a stressor or a threat. Now... A little adrenaline surge is good. You want it. We've talked about this already. But elevated adrenaline include many different things. So start to look for those in your body, especially ones that linger a little longer than a few seconds to a minute or so. Okay? So a pounding sensation of in your heart. If you're feeling like this really fast or hard heartbeat, that's the sign of stress. That's the sign of raised adrenaline. A really rapid heartbeat is also a sign of elevated adrenaline. Really fast breathing, like almost hyperventilation, or in reverse, a very shallow breath. Uh, if you're feeling your sweat increase, or you have a bit more strength like or speed, like your ability to run or to lift heavy object is like totally different. You might notice that you have dilated pupils. So that's something you can look in the mirror if you're feeling stressed, compare your pupils from day to day. Uh, you might feel like when you look, things are really bright or almost like unreal. 
And some people experience light sensitivity when they're stressed or when they're anxious. So if you tend to get migraines or like your eyes start to hurt, things like that, those are, they could be a sign of high adrenaline. And then people feel shaky or nervous or like they're trembling, particularly in their arms, legs, and hands. And they might feel a little dizzy as well. So this is really good. If you need to lift a car off someone, you need like the pounding of your heart to bring the blood into your muscles and you need your fast, your breath to get faster, to have more oxygen and you need to feel stronger and see more clearly. And, but that is just for like a second, a few seconds, then it has to stop and come down. So it is super useful in a short burst to fight or to flight. Long term, though, the effects of a really high adrenaline, like chronically, include digestive problems, cardiovascular disease, weight gain, and with that, metabolic issues in general, headaches, high blood pressure, memory or concentration trouble, sleep disorder, anxiety, and depression. So if you're experiencing any of those, or you have for a while, this might be a sign that you have chronically raised adrenaline. Now, these might seem general, like digestive problems, and we can dive into it a little bit more precisely if we work one-on-one, so know that, but that gives you a good idea to start observing yourself. So we talked about adrenaline being high, and at the same time, the adrenal glands were going to raise your norepinephrine in a pretty similar way. So symptoms of that hormone being a little too high are similar, but we add after an increased heart rate, an increased blood flow, and a faster breath, we add that it raises your blood sugar levels. And it releases more glucose and more fat. So not only is it increasing your strength and your physical performance, but the little difference here is that it's keeping you, it's thinking ahead and trying to conserve energy and conserve nutrients for the future. Once the surge of those two first hormones in the adrenal glands have started and then kind of went down a little bit, cortisol comes in. And then cortisol is known, you might have heard about cortisol, is known as your stress hormone. It's also made in the adrenal glands, and most of the cells in our body have cortisol receptor that uses cortisol in different functions that are very good and important, like blood sugar regulation, inflammation regulation, metabolism regulation, and memory formulation. So cortisol is important for your health, just like adrenaline or neoformin is, but too much can cause a number of unwanted symptoms, including trouble with what I just listed, blood sugar, inflammation, metabolism, and memory. But also, we're coming back at weight gain, particularly around the midsection in the face. High level of cortisol might also create acne, thinning of your skin, and easy bruising. Like if you find yourself that you bruise really easily, that might be a sign of high high cortisol. Um, Slowed healing. If things take a long time to heal when you injured yourself, if your muscle feel weak in general, 
if you feel fatigue regularly or a little bit irritable, if you have difficulty concentrating, uh, high blood pressure and headaches are also signs of high level of cortisol. So you have so many examples of how stress can show up in your body, whether which hormone is elevated in your body. Chances are they're all a little elevated if one is elevated, but you might have more cortisol than the two others or vice versa. Over time, with chronic stress, persistent adrenaline surges can damage your blood vessel. It can damage your arteries. It can increase your blood pressure in general, even to a level that erases your risk for heart attacks and stroke. Elevated cortisol levels over time create physiological changes that help to replenish the body's energy store, like I talked about just before, that are depleted during your stress response. But what happens kind of by accident is that it contributes the buildup of fat tissue and of weight gain. So for example, cortisol will increase your appetite. Uh, so people that are highly stressed will feel like they need to eat more because the body is asking that you obtain extra energy so it can store it for later when you're going to be stressed again because it knows it's coming back and it can use those nutrients to continue to kind of feed you in the moment where it can't really use your digestive system to function properly. So this is an example of what I mentioned in the beginning, that all the nerves go into the organs. Some organs, we talked about the heart and the lungs, are going to be affected in one way. And some other organs are going to be affected in the opposite way. So while all this is happening, everything we've named, other organs, other systems in your body will be slowed down so you can conserve energy. So many processes are put on hold. An example is your sexual response. So to procreate is not a priority if you think you're not going to survive, right? So first you have to feel safe for your body's sexual response to be optimal. If you're feeling really stressed, your libido is going to decrease. So that's a sign. As a man, you might have difficulty maintaining sexual arousal when you're highly stressed. So that's one system that you can also notice signs of stress in. And that will come and include long-term trouble with fertility, for example. Another system that we you know, have contact with every single day and we might notice things there very regularly is our digestive system. That one, just like your sexual response, is going to slow down as well. This might include constipation, even difficulty urinating. You might have trouble absorbing nutrients. And this is where like, your body's going to store unused nutrients for later to kind of help you in that sense. So you have a huge list of potential symptoms of stress here. My invitation is to start to observe and note which of these symptoms you experience in what situation and how frequently. I will do a full episode on how we counter stress. But for now, I invite you to become aware of the signs in your body, 
of the thoughts that you regularly think, both things that create, that participate to your stress response. When you catch it, you can just name it or you can note it down, but really just be a scientist about it. Explore this as a science experiment. Learn to do that. And then we'll go from there to make the right choice to address it for yourself. If you need help looking at your perception, if you need help understanding how you view pressure personally, how you experience lack of safety, or how you understand how your body is particularly reacting to stress, which symptoms are really a sign of stress for you and which symptoms are a stress of something else, reach out and we'll book a call and we'll untangle all of this together. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was helpful to understand better what stress is, how it shows up in your body, in your mind, how it shows up in your nervous system, which symptoms do you experience. So you can start to build your own awareness of the situation and be able to take the right next action to support yourself lovingly. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. You can send me your question around stress there in a DM. I'll be happy to answer. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. It really helps other people find the podcast. And I think today's discussion is very important. So share with the people you love. You'll find in the show notes links for you to become a premium member of the podcast, get your hands on all the exclusive content, including our class library. You'll find more info about me and my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. You can also have a link for my website. There's a section where you can tell me what you struggle with so I can create more of these episodes according to what you need, what you want to hear about. Or again, you can just send me some questions. Before we go today, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.